0: You know, I'm extremely blessed with my career. I like to say preparation is your armor. Hannah does the what and I do the why. You know, I'm fascinated to see the matchup with Justin Jefferson, but he's only as good as if Kirk Cousins can get him the ball. It's really holding up uh, at the lines of scrimmage and that's that's always where I, I start to watch the game.
1: You're listening to the Minnesota Vikings podcast, and this is episode 123. I'm Tatum Everett inside TCO Studios radio room. Gabe Henderson, Jay Nelson alongside me here, and we're going to have an event session about that Vikings-Lions loss on Sunday. No doubt about that. We'll get all of our frustrations out before we bring in our special podcast guests of this week. It's an exciting one. We have NFL Network chief correspondent and the color analyst for the Thursday Night Football Broadcast on Amazon Prime Video, Andrea Kramer, and then we'll get you even more primed and ready for a Steelers game that is tomorrow, guys. It is so weird to say, "Oh, hey, we're Wednesday morning podcasting, and we've got a game in 24 hours."
2: The first time I ever came up to Minnesota in my life was 2019, October 25th, and I was working for the Washington Football Team. It was a Thursday night game against the Vikings, so. I remember leaving that game and I'm like, all right, well, got to go to work Monday. And it's just like, oh, shoot, it's Friday. Like I actually get a weekend off. So, yeah, it it is kind of weird. But I'm sure whoever's going to be at the game tomorrow will be excited to enjoy their Thursday night.
1: Oh, yeah. It's a special Thursday night, Jay.
3: I think the Thursday night games are always super intriguing because there's always the drama of well, what's going to happen on a short turnaround. Is the opponent going to be able to come into the house of the home team who usually has a little more creature comforts, at least for another day? Um, but for me, the fact that the Steelers are showing up in our building, in our state for the first time in 16 years mm. is going to be super interesting because the last time we played them, that was a home game. We were in London at Wembley Stadium. So yeah. I think the the Steeler Nation is probably going to come out even more for this one since it's been so long. But I am um, I am very excited for this game just to see how quickly we can turn this thing around and, and hopefully get after another team that is in a similar situation mm-hmm. to us.
1: Wow, I didn't realize it had been that long. 16 years. Yeah. Wow. And you gotta, you, you're right right, though, because when I was in Nashville in Nissan Stadium, it was like actually majority Steelers fans. Mm-hmm. But it's hard because the Titans don't have like a huge historic fan base because of how they moved or whatnot. Um, and it's still growing. But yeah, the Steelers, I'm a little worried, I guess, not to get ahead of ourselves and go into what I'm nervous about. But I am, I, think, I think the crowd is going to play an interesting role in this because the Steelers fans travel so well.
2: Yeah, when you have like historic teams such as the Cowboys mm-hmm. or the Steelers or possibly even the Patriots, th- those fans are loyal they, they've yeah. won so many rings. They have so many traditions of, of history that when it comes to a game like this where it's in a city that they don't usually come to, I'm sure there's a lot of Pittsburgh Steelers fans that migrated up here years ago. So it's like, oh, shoot, the the Steelers are in town? Like, I'm I'm going to this game? Mm-hmm. You know, some of these guys are like, yeah, I was here when Terry Bradshaw played. So when you got guys that, that understand the history, that understand what goes into a, a Steelers game being in their hometown or being in a new town – they they
3: will travel well for that.
1: Yeah, I mean they've never been to US Bank Stadium, so that's kind of like one of those bucket list items, Jay.
3: And I also know like for the the old dogs at least the old Vikings fans, there is that that sore spot still with the the Vikings losing to the Steelers in the Super Bowl back mm-hmm. in the 70s. So yep. like there's a lot of history there and and just to echo what Gabe was saying, the Steelers, in my opinion, their fans are probably one of the top three fan bases that travels, period. And so I, I anticipate there being a bunch of terrible towels in the yeah. uh, in the stadium, but it just comes down to gameplay to help drown them out. At least First, it'll be yellow.
1: Yeah, it's oh, well, that's kind true. Of,
3: kind of I was just going to say, as,
1: as Charles Barkley would say, it'd be the terrible towels. Terrible. I had to get that in there. Sorry. Guarantee it. <laughs> All right. Well, I know it's we've been chuckling and giggling or whatnot and having fun thinking about this Steelers game and what's ahead, but we really do need to probably get a little uh, last minute frustrations off our chest. And um, I think it's time for a proper vent session because it was just another close game, another absolute heartbreak. So I think we should just get right into it. And Jay, do you want to go first this time around?
3: Sure. I got a laundry list too. Oh, to wow. Well, Well, you know, we're going to
1: put you on the clock still. We don't, there's no exceptions to the rule this time around. So, all right. Three, two, one.
3: Last week when I was asked what I was nervous about, my answer was everything. This was the nightmare scenario that we were all kind of thinking of. Um, For me, you go through and you just look statistically. You won time of possession, passing yards, turnovers, third down efficiency. You tied for rushing yards, rushing plays, total plays and and total drives. And you still came out with the loss. Mm -hmm. It was Brutal. I think the 0 for three on two point conversions, and then only getting two field goals inside the red zone, and especially in that first quarter, you you let them hang around long enough on the uh, at the beginning that you dug a hole in the second half. And so for me, it was the uh, final 16 minutes of the first half. You had you let them get two touchdowns and two field goals after stuffing them for the majority of the first quarter. So for me, it was the frustration of. Statistically, you should have won this game, but in the end, you didn't because you traded field goals for touchdowns. So for me, I just this is the the end of your mulligans for this Viking squad.
1: With three seconds to spare, very nice. (laughs) Yeah, you know it's interesting because we've always talked about like the identity of this team, and this was weeks ago. Sometimes I feel like we're watching these games, and I could almost script them before they even happened. We're dominant in the first quarter. We let a team back in. Either they hang around or or they're ahead at halftime. We come out, we start to fight a little bit, but then all goes to hell in a handbasket when you get to that, you know, final few minutes of the fourth quarter if you're still kind of jockeying for whoever's on the front of the leaderboard.
2: To sum that all up, Andre Patterson had the greatest quote of the year still to this date of we're playing not to lose instead of playing to win. And that's kind of the story of this Viking season, you got yeah. other teams that are playing to win and we're playing not
3: to lose. So something's got to give for me. I just kept thinking about it. Almost felt like I was back in either middle school or high school and you're cramming for a test where it's just like, <laughs> you know, you, you know what you're supposed to do. And you kind of do it on the front end and then you kind of slack off for a while. And then all of a sudden at the end, it's like yeah. got to hurry up and oh, race shoot. to try to oh, try yeah. to try to finish it off. And um, I just looking even at the second half, just the Jekyll and Hyde nature. Let alone of this game, but but this team this year, like we we're t- just saying, like, what's happening at the end of first half? There, there really is no explanation. Yeah. What's happening at the end of these games? You're trying to close them out, and, and sometimes you do, and a bunch of times you haven't. They had two scoring drives for Detroit in the second half, which was 119 yards, including the 75-yard final drive, right, for in the final minute, 50 seconds with no timeouts. Their other four drives of the second half, 29 yards total. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the thing that's killing us is you're just looking at this going – how can you be so dominant on one drive and the very next drive just give up the house? And, and I think that's what's, what's killing the public is they're like, I want to be on board with this team because you have a massive game by Justin Jefferson and you have all of these things that are good and at the same point, in the end, it still comes up with an L. And, and it, I just, that is, the, the word we keep using this season, it's so maddening. Yeah. This again was one of those at the end of the game it was just, just pulling your hair out, it was maddening. You know, yeah,
1: when 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 the opponent gets on the field, it's like a boomer bust defense, and I know that's more of an offensive term, but it's it, for me, it's like, like you said, it's either three and out, great stand, all right, let's take that momentum and go somewhere, or it's. Well, here goes another score because that's mm-hmm. it's it's that you have an either or situation. Yeah.
2: yeah, they had what thirty three yards in the first quarter of the Detroit Lions, and then nineteen yards in the in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the point of just not finishing games, and we haven't been able to finish halves or finish games. And to the point of man, like you yeah, like the test that you just said, it's like oh, let's just slack off a little bit. Kind of kind of I knocked a little bit out the way first, so. Got to start finishing these things.
1: Yeah, and that'll lead me to my vent session if you want me to go second. Go second. Which I've, I've never done that before, but I'll, I'll, take, I'll i will take, I got to piggyback off of that. Great segue. All
3: right, three, two, one one.
1: And that's kind of what I was thinking, the playing from behind, continuously putting yourself in these impossible situations that is so frustrating. In close games and one-score games, the Vikings are four and seven. It's it's crazy to think that, you know, two wins of this season have been on the final play, but we've lost four games on the final play. And it's just coming down to these big moments and and it stinks because you're putting so much pressure on the team in these key moments that, you know, I know that they're professional athletes and they can handle the pressure, but, but it's a lot when it's week after week after week and to have a lead and to feel comfortable about it and and not have to worry and know you need to perform on this one certain play is something that I find to be pretty frustrating um just coming down to the wire and not not shooting yourselves in the foot because i think this vikings team is beating themselves week after week it's not necessarily having to do with any of the opponents it's it's becoming the best team you could possibly be
2: yeah Yeah, yes wow i
1: got really on my soapbox there at the end (laughs) sorry about that guys
2: yeah dalvin always talks about like why not us And we always talk about other teams So, like, why not? Why not? Why can't we just control what we control, put our foot down and say, like, this is who the Vikings team is instead of worrying about, okay, well, this is what this guy can do. This is what that guy can do. So that's that's a great vent session. Well, thank you very
1: much. I didn't honestly. That's kind of where I started. I didn't know it was going to go there. I think I was just really in my feelings. I was in my feelings. You're right. You know, that that is that is the the point of this, right?
3: I think it's the uh, condensing of all of the feelings throughout the season of finally getting towards (laughs) the back end of the season. (laughs) Yeah, just seeing you know these repeat patterns. That's a thing that I think has been driving people nuts. It's just it's it's the We know what we're supposed to do. We know what we want to do. And then it's actually finally doing that and finishing it properly. I feel
1: like this is a frustrating math equation, not to do another school analogy, but it's like a frustrating math equation where it should add up, but you're missing like an X or a Y or, sorry, I haven't taken math in forever.
2: Yeah, it's like
1: something in the (laughs) Pythagorean theorem I have no idea how to figure out. And I like missed one carryover somewhere and, and like it just doesn't compute.
3: My brother's a math teacher. He's still sending me going, what's going on with this team? So even he can't figure it out.
1: Yeah. That all right, funny. Gabe, you want to go for a little vent session? I
3: don't, but I will.
2: Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, it's mandatory. Well, <laughs> no, nah, I'm not joking. to do another school term. Just kidding. All <laughs> nah, right. No, the,
2: the the reason why I said I'm not is because what I'm going to say is what every Vikings fan has said all Ooh, week. So okay. Um, let me know when the clock starts. It's going now. It's going. All right. Um, go ahead, Vikings fan. Since Jay Nelson or Tatum Ever didn't say it, it's it's got to be that last drive for me. Um, you give up 75 yards on a 14 play drive with less than two minutes on the clock. Um, that that's just I feel like that's the Viking season in a nutshell. When you get the opportunity to win a game or just put your foot down, uh, we we don't take advantage of it. And I think that the one stat that stands out to me was third down. Our third down defense hadn't give up hadn't given up a third down conversion the entire game up until that last drive. The Lions were 0 of eight on third down. They had two third down conversions on that drive. The last one they didn't convert, which made them two of 11. But that last one turned into the fourth and two, which turned into the game winner. So it's just one of those things where it's just like, yeah, we, we did lose to the Lions. But at the same time, we didn't do enough to be able to say that we beat the Lions. I feel like if we would have mm-hmm. won that game, it kind of would have felt like the first Lions game where you look at the end of the day and say, hey, it's a, it's a W in the win column. But. Just not enough to say that this was a decisive game that we should have won.
1: You know, it's interesting you bring up third down because that was really awful. But if you one thing I noticed during the first half, the last like the longest drive that they made in the first half towards the end, they didn't need a a third Mm -hmm. down. And that's one reason they didn't have to convert on third down in that first half, which is crazy. So it, it is just allowing, you know, first downs just continuously happen. Yeah. obviously that's Well, they,
2: they were good on first and second down. They were yeah. I think they were in second and five a good majority of their drive. So when you're in second and five, second mm-hmm. and four, your your chances are you're going to get a first down. And I think both of those touchdowns that they gave up to tight ends were on second down. So two explosives. I think they have five explosives in the first half, and
3: that's just like we, we got to do a better job. So that, that explains the third down there. Going back a little bit to the mm-hmm. formula piece, part of the thing that I think was, was making me nervous last week when I was saying everything was <laughs> the amount of bodies that were out of this game. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, the the amount with feeling going down early, Cook out, Peterson out, um, both linebackers, like all of all of that crew being gone, and you're like, man, how, how much kind of depleted roster can we have in order to have a chance to win this thing? And I think we saw it on Sunday and and I think this will kind of get into some of my stuff later too, but just the idea that all of those pieces were gone and you came up that short Mm -hmm. at the very, very end of the game. There's so many times throughout the game you're like, well, if this person was here, we might have, and it, this might have been different. And it's like, you cannot do that. That's the hardest part about the NFL a, is. A,
1: what
3: a. Yeah, there is there is no Calvary coming. Like, this is who you have. And the fact that we couldn't get it done there, especially on that last drive, is just was so frustrating.
2: And I don't, I don't want to continue to make excuses either, but the fact that we didn't have any of those players... And there was literally no energy in the building. They didn't play music at Fort field until about 45 minutes before kickoff. So, like, there was no energy there. The seating was dark. You just – it was just very ominous in there. And I was just like, are, are we playing a football game? I just remember walking the field and I'm like, this feels like a practice right now. And I remember Ben Lieber, I was talking to him. I was like, how many times have you played here? And he – I forgot what number he said. And he said every time he plays here, it feels like a preseason game. And it felt like a preseason hmm. game just walking the stadium. I'm like – like there were empty sections empty seats like just no kind of energy and that kind of affected even the first quarter of the game they didn't score any points the Lions didn't score any points in the first quarter but we ended two drives on field goals so instead of punching the ball in you just settle for a field goal and like literally no chairs the entire first quarter so that kind of just affected the rest of the game so no excuses but that that kind of played in effect too
1: Sure. Well, the slate is wiped clean as we look ahead to Thursday night football on NFL network, but you could also catch it on Amazon prime video broadcast as well. I'm not sure if you guys have done that before, but highly recommend it's an all-female team with play-by-play announcer, Hannah storm and analyst, Andrea Kramer, not only trailblazers making history being the first all-female booth, but great broadcasters. And as you will see from our interview with Andrea Kramer, great people. So even during her busy week of prepping for our game she joins the MVP right now. And now we are so excited for our MVP guest this week. They're not in-house, but you may know the name. It's Andrea Kramer, the NFL Network reporter. She is also the color analyst for the Thursday night football broadcast on Amazon Prime Video, the first all female broadcast team alongside hannah storm andreas thank you so much for taking the time to do this today no it's great to chat with you guys thanks for having me on well i know you guys have been doing this for a little while but um it's it's funny i think the transition that you've made from being the sunday night football reporter to now being the color analyst is one that you know myself as a female in sports admire so much was this something that you had always wanted to do or, or a bucket list item i guess you
0: could say uh, I'd like to tell you that was the case, Tatum, but I cannot tell a lie. Absolutely <laughs> not. It's nothing that I ever really thought of. I mean, you know, I'm extremely blessed with my career, you know, the years at ESPN. And as you talk about Sunday Night Football and HBO Real Sports with Brian Gumble, and, and the all-female talk show on, on CBS, we need to talk. and And, you know, and all of a sudden this opportunity to be the first full-time female NFL game analyst comes up four years ago. And um, I was pretty nervous, uh, needless to say, because when when you haven't done it at all, you just don't know that you can. And very proud that Hannah and I uh, comprised the first all-female booth. But um, at this point, four years in, I, I think that I mean I kinda hope we're past the, the, the chick factor as I like to call it and that we're just a, a great viable option for for folks who have prime video. Um you know, we're in two hundred twenty countries around the world, so we have quite the quite the following and um you know, I think that we give a real viable, entertaining, informative alternative to uh to what? To the great broadcast that you're gonna get on on Fox.
2: Agreed. I agree. I mean, at the end of the day, as long as you guys, anybody is putting out good content and reporting uh, to its highest form, I think it is great. And that's why I personally think you do such a great job. But going from a sideline reporting to host to now being a color, color analyst, what do you pride yourself on most as a color analyst, especially coming up for this game?
0: You know what, Gabe? It's always the same thing. It's been the theme of my entire career, preparation. I like to say preparation is your armor. And, uh, you know, I I feel like an addict sometimes, like, okay, I need to be cut off here, you know, because it's, uh, you know, whether it's the amount of stuff that you read, the amount of film that you watch, the number of people that you talk to. uh, You know, every week I talk to the coordinators and I talk to the general manager. And then we have our traditional production meetings. You know, we'll, we, we talk with the head coach. We talk with the quarterback. We talk with a star defensive player. So there's, there's a ton of reporting that goes on. And, and I think that one of the things that makes our broadcast so good and so unique is that you got to play to your strengths, right? You know, Amazon prime video wanted, Hannah Storm and my unique voices. Well, you know, she Hannah is an icon in this business. She's an amazing host, and she brings that to her play-by-play role. And for me, being a journalist, you know, I bring those sensibilities. So, you know, as we like to say, Hannah does the what, and I do the why. And I, oh, I, I want that. to be able to do the why. But it's not just that. You know what, you guys? It's um, I'll share this with you. Al Michaels, my my former colleague, my dear friend, gave me some great advice before I started this four years ago. He said... 90% of the analysts don't really know what they're talking about. And 99% of the audience doesn't understand it either, but they mm-hmm. think it sounds really cool. So what I want to do is, I, if I'm going to talk about jet sweeps and ghost motion and cover two or single high safety or a gap penetration, I want to be able to explain it. Because if you can't explain it, you shouldn't be talking about it. And that's something that I pride myself on, I'm, you know, was... was talking with uh, T.J. Watt today, and I was, I was basically just saying, okay, put me in your head as you're coming around left end, why are you so prolific and so proficient at the strip sack? So I get to get inside his head, so if, sorry to say, if he gets to Kirk <laughs> Cousins tomorrow night, you know, then Don't you know, say I'm that. able to just, I'm, I'm saying, <laughs> hopefully not... But if he does, my point is I'm able to bring a perspective from his vantage point, which to me, I think is pretty cool for the audience. Yeah. You know, it's funny you say that because
1: I remember being in journalism school and that was the key. You know, you are, you are communicating to people. They say at a seventh grade level, as, as funny as that sounds, but it's just that everyone can really understand what you're saying. And you take away something from the broadcast, which I think is pretty cool. But it sounds like you've, taken in a little bit of the Steelers' uh, knowledge this week, been able to speak to some of them. You haven't been able to speak to the Vikings right now, but just seeing the season that's unfolded for, you know, our Minnesota Vikings and just the close games, close calls, heartbreak and high wins. I mean, what what have you seen from this team?
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you just kind of mentioned it, and obviously we're going to be talking with Coach Zimmer and Kirk Cousins and all, uh, you know, in, in, a, in a little bit here. But, um, you know, look, it's, it's so difficult because – you know, there's always sort of this, this this cloud that hangs over the team, like, oh, my God, here we go again. You know, we've had so many close losses. Oh, my goodness, is it going to be another literally last-second loss on the final play? And – and, you know, listen, I I always give the benefit of the doubt, in it especially having been on the sidelines and understanding how frenetic it gets and crazy it gets and game management and time management are, are such crucial things. And, you know, listen, fans want to win. Not that the, the teams don't want to win, but, you know, it gets to be a very, very difficult situation. And, and everybody, isn't it amazing how every Monday morning quarterback bats 1,000? Oh, my gosh, you know? <laughs> Prevent defense, oh my God, how did they, you know, allow Jared Goff to do this, this, and this, so it's it's difficult, but, you know, look, um, every team has injuries, and you can't fault, you know, you can't attribute it to that, um, the other thing is, you guys, you know, look, um, there's only one Kubiak, okay, Gary Kubiak, you know, multiple Super Bowl champion. Clint is still feeling his way as a play caller, still learning, you know, his way, still learning, you know, there's 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 there is a curve there that you have to that you have to get and and uh you know, it's it's very, very difficult when you have your arguably your best offensive weapon in at least, well, let's put it this way. I won't say your best offensive weapon because Justin Jefferson is (laughs) absolutely sublime, and I cannot wait to watch him again this year as we got to see him last year, the rookie year. But, you know, without Dalvin Cook in the lineup, it just changes things. I mean, Alexander Madison obviously brings a a terrific presence and production on the ground, but, you know, there's one Dalvin Cook. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just really, it's very, very difficult week in and week out to get the consistency that you need to uh, to to really compete in uh, in an NFC, which is pretty crowded at the top.
2: If you if you look on Twitter right now, everything is pointing to the Vikings probably won't win another game this year because they lost to a team that hasn't won a game uh, last week. So well, we know we have the talent here. So why so why should Vikings fans still feel some optimism heading into the end of the season, including this game?
0: The Jacksonville Jaguars beat the Buffalo Bills. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, the Miami Dolphins beat the Baltimore Ravens on Thursday night football. Literally, if there's ever been a season where you could say, any given Thursday, Sunday, or Monday, anybody can win, it's this season. Mm-hmm. And you know there's a, i think that there's an, uh, a number of different theories as to why that's the case but you know no they're not out of it i mean they're one game out of the you know uh, you know it, it, to to get back into the wild card playoff race it's you know the season is not over yet so you know there's there's plenty of incentive and plenty of reason to to watch certainly uh, you know listen the steelers are are coming off a very 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 close win but you know, but for a T.J. Watt-induced errant pass, you know, I'm not. I'm not sure that you know we're not talking about two reeling teams coming into this game with both the Steelers and the Vikings. So, you know, every game, particularly for the Vikings, seems to be so close. But um, you know, there's. You know, do do not despair. I, I mean, come on now. There's, uh, you know, any, seriously, any team can win. And we see a lot of funky things happen on Thursday nights. You know, it's a short week. It, it changes some things. Um, but really, um, come on, man, keep the faith. <laughs> Why am I giving you
2: guys a pep talk? So, like, because I... I- I'm a, I don't want to be the company guy. And I know, like, t- trying to tweet out some positivity during the week, they're just like, hey, bro, we, we don't want to hear that. So, like, I, we just needed an outside perspective of can, why should they still believe. And
1: two weeks ago, they, you know, it, it was like, oh, we can win our next seven games. Yeah. So I, I just think the the emotions are going up and down. And you do provide this with some positivity, Andrea. And we really appreciate that. I know that you're also deep in your own prep. So how, to get the, how do the, the Vikings get the win on Thursday night?
0: Well, I think you know it sounds so cliche, and, and you know, but when you, it's it's one thing to hear it from people; it's another thing to watch the tape. You guys, it all starts up front on both lines. I mean, you know the the Steelers, def, you know, defensive line is is very formidable. We've talked about T.J. Watt. I mean, they've got to be able and a Vikings offensive line, which particularly last week is really in flux they have to be able to hold up at the point of attack against the Steelers' defense because, you know, even with Joe Hayden seemingly primed to miss another game, you know, they still uh, can provide a lot of tight coverage in in their secondary. Um, You know, I'm fascinated to see – The matchup with Justin Jefferson, I I mean, he's one of these players that even when he's covered, he manages to find the holes. He manages to make the contested catches. It's just, you know, he's so wonderful to watch, but he's only as good as if Kirk Cousins can get him the ball. So I think that that ball security is going to be huge. You know, we talked about T.J. Watt, his proclivity to create uh, turnovers, force fumbles so it's you know it's protecting the ball it's holding up at the point of attack you know giving kirk enough time to be able to you know to scan downfield and having some semblance of a running game because obviously you need the threat of a run to hold up in play action so i think there's that and then you know look defensively um we're not looking at at the the Ben Roethlisberger of of old but you know he certainly did enough last week to be able to uh you know, to get the ball downfield. And, uh, uh, you know, Deontay Johnson is really the guy who's emerging as their as their deep play threat. You know, don't sleep on Friermuth, the tight end who, you know, the rookie who they just love. And, and Najee Harris, you know, he has had a bit of an uneven season, but if they can get him going uh, again, that points to the Vikings mm-hmm. defensive line. So, I think that um, the importance of, of getting some healthy bodies back, obviously we know that Patrick Peterson is back, which is phenomenal. You know, you hope that Kendricks is going to play. You hope that Anthony Barr is going to play uh, to shore up the linebacking core. Totally different defense when they're in. You know, Michael Pierce just would be his second game back. So, again, it's, uh, it's really holding up uh, at the lines of scrimmage, and that's, that's always where I, I start to watch the game.
1: Well, I know you are super busy getting ready for your Thursday night football broadcast, Andrea. So we greatly appreciate your time. Be sure, Vikings fans, to click on an Amazon Prime video for a change. Put on Hannah Storm and Andrea Kramer calling a game, the historic first all-woman booth. And thank you again, Andrea, for being here. We are so happy to have you here on MVP.
0: Well, look, it's my it's my pleasure to join you guys and, and to you, to your families, to all your listeners. Uh Happy holidays and above all, stay healthy out there.
1: A big thank you to Andrea Kramer for joining MVP this week. One of the things I really loved what she said is providing like a different perspective, a different voice when you're watching the game, because the amount of tweets that come out about specific announcers or certain people calling the game. Well, on Thursday night, you have an option, which I think is just (laughs) so neat.
2: Every week they have an option, right? But I guess since this is the first ever female broadcast team, I think you should pay more attention to that because I feel like that's going to be a new energy, a new juice that fans haven't expected or seen before, which is much needed in our profession. So I'm, I'm excited. So I'm excited for her and Hannah Storm and the entire team.
1: For sure, it's it's cool to hear her talk about, and and this is something that like I I thoroughly enjoy having. Obviously, not played the game before, having her explain things as you're watching it because that's something that I think is really valuable when you watch a broadcast.
3: If you think about the NFL, what they're doing right now, not only this broadcast, but like the Nickelodeon one for the kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You've got, yeah. you got Monday Night Football doing the the Manning brothers. Yeah. Like, As a fan, you can literally cherry pick the kind of coverage mm-hmm. that you want. I think the idea with this one, too, is that these are two people who have been around this game for decades. Like they they are two of the very best people in broadcasting. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see what the re- reception is with this thing because let alone it's a Thursday night game, which it's that's got its own um, issues at times just with people paying attention and it's the work week still got go to go to work on Friday. But I think the fact that you've got these two Titans – on mm-hmm. this call, doing this, I think this is a great step just to see what the reaction is to it, yeah. and and I think you couldn't find two better people with more knowledge to actually make this happen. So I'm really excited to see what the reaction is by the public. I
2: remember when uh, Beth Moen she was on our she was on a call last last year. I can't think of which game, and I remember listening to it like because. We had no fans, and I remember listening to it in the box beside it. And I'm like, "Dude, like this is like really good. Like she is how she was explaining the game." Andrea Kramer said it earlier. She said a lot of people don't know what they're talking about, but if you can explain it to a seventh grader, you can explain it to anybody. Beth Mowen said, "If you can explain anything to a kid, anybody would be able to understand it." So the fact that she's able to peel those layers back and and get it to a level where everybody is able to enjoy a game of football with a Coors Light in their hand you can't ask for
3: anything better than that.
1: It's it's I mean learning about the game is why we watch too. Like the game is constantly evolving. It's always different.
3: Fans want to be able to go to the water cooler the next day and explain what <laughs> just <laughs> happened and sound smart not only yeah. to themselves but to their friends and their family. <laughs> right. It it's there is a a subsection of fans that that is their key thing and I think given Hannah and Andrea's uh, past history and all of the games they've been to, everything they've covered, They can even, you know, they can talk about all the stuff, even with the sideline coverage and personal stories of of meeting with everybody. I just think there's a wealth of knowledge there that I think the fans are going to eat up. Come this game,
1: for sure. So yeah, big thanks to Andrea for joining us. Always a pleasure to speak with her, and um, she got us a little bit ready for that Steelers game. But now it's our time to shine. We've got to talk about one thing we're excited about in this matchup and one thing that makes us nervous. So Jay, you went first last time. Gabe, would you like to go first this time? (laughs) I
2: will do the honors. Alrighty. One thing I'm excited about is just being back at home. Uh, we've been on the road four out of the past five weeks, and it's just been a grinder. Um, going from coast to coast and playing different games against different type of teams. I mean, you got a, a quarterback in Lamar Jackson that's different. Then you go to um, L.A. when you pa- play a pass-heavy team. You're traveling all the way across the border, and then you come home and play the Green Bay Packers. And it's like, okay, now we finally get a home game to go back on the road to San Francisco to lose a, a, a nail-biter there. And then the Detroit Lions, the fact that we actually – can wake up in our own beds the day of the game and actually cheer for our home team and we have some of our guys back and the fact that we have our fans back I don't think you can ask for anything better than that so honestly I'm just ready just to be back home
1: I like that I like that a lot
2: Gabe's looking for some home cooking yeah that's that's it that's all yeah like, well,
1: it, it does feel like we've it's been a while since we've been back at U.S. Bank Stadium.
2: Green Bay Packers. That felt like two months. It ago. does. Like. Well, because
1: we've had some agony since then. So, you know, <laughs> the losses make it a little bit tougher.
2: Yeah, the, pack, the Cowboys game felt like forever ago. Yes. Yeah, it just, I feel like
3: all that happened, our last home game was before the bye week. That's what yeah. it was like. We've been saying this all year. It feels like the slowest, fastest season yes. we've ever been a part of.
1: Yes, very true. Yeah. Very true. Well, Jay, what are you excited about in this matchup?
3: I'm excited given the point I just made before. I am excited to get a bunch of our guys back uh, in this game, especially the linebacker side. Um, we've talked about it on multiple shows uh, throughout the entire season. My own personal feeling is you just you notice a difference when Eric Kendricks is not on that field, mm-hmm. but having Kendricks bar and then even uh, you know Patrick Peterson coming off the COVID list, um, getting at least those three guys back on defense. Given you know how frustrating it was last week, let alone it's a short week. Just I think it's going to be a giant shot in the arm for the defense to finally have this veteran presence back on the field, at least in those positions. And I just, I can't wait to have them back and, and be able to somewhat feel like there's a level of comfort there knowing that the best players on your roster are in those positions.
2: Yeah, this is the most, quote unquote, most healthy our defense has been since week eight.
0: Wow! So
2: the fact that we have Michael Pierce, Dalvin Tomlinson, mm-hmm. Eric Kendricks, Anthony Barr, Harrison Smith, P2, that that is what you want going into
3: this last five games of the season. And it, it, that's the thing is that it can't come at a better time because you're literally out of excuses and out of no, your backs overs. are like, against the wall yeah. right now. If you yeah. are if you are going to try and make a legit push and, and go at minimum, you know, you got to. The way it's looking right now, it looks like you got to go like four and one or five and oh type thing to make <laughs> a playoff run. Like,
1: oh, no pressure.
3: Exactly. But that's my point is this is why you signed these guys in the offseason. Mm-hmm. This is why you brought them in. And given that there are some other deficiencies in other areas with um, some of your superstars going down, this is a critical, critical week to get these guys back and keep them healthy. And granted, they are somewhat healthy, right? Eric Kendrick, Anthony
2: Barr haven't played in over a week. P two hasn't played in over a week. Michael Pierce is his first game back. Dalvin Thompson, they're his first game back also last week. So these guys are fairly healthy going into this last stretch. So. Like you said, hopefully they can stay healthy, but at least they got some fresh
3: legs. And the thing is, if you get out of this Thursday night game healthy that way, then you've got a 10 day window Mm -hmm. until the next game that Monday night in Chicago. So like this is a critical game to win and a critical game to get healthy after this.
1: I'm actually going to switch things up a little bit. I'm excited to face the Steelers secondary Justin Jefferson is the hottest receiver in the NFL right now, peaking at the right time. And so I think that he'll be able to expose the Steelers secondary. They're going to be down with down their number one cornerback, Joe Hayden, more than likely. And so, um, you know, Hayden's missed the last three games and people have been able to kind of expose people. Teams have been able to expose the Steelers secondary. For me, it's the weakest part of that Steelers defense so if the offensive line is able to uh you know hold off the pass rush and give Kirk Cousins some time give JJ an opportunity to do what he does best and become open um I think that this is something they could definitely expose on Thursday
3: Andrea Kramer that was her point too of just talking about it's all going to be in the trenches of mm-hmm. giving mm-hmm. each of these That's quarterbacks true. time if you can if you can try and hold off, you know the pass rush at, at, for both sides of that, and get, keep both these quarterbacks clean, you're potentially going to see a shootout. As excited as I am to see Justin Jefferson, too, I'm
2: excited about KJ and mm-hmm. Didi. Like, who who's going to step up if Adam Thielen can't play this Steelers team? They've given up a 97 and a an 100 yard game, in their two out of the past two weeks to wide receiver number twos. Like Mike Williams had 97 a couple of weeks ago. T Higgins had a 100 yard game at the Bengals, well for the Bengals a couple of weeks ago. So it's like, who's going to be that second guy? Because yeah. I, I, if I'm a betting man, I, I would think they would try to add more pressure to sure. to JJ. Like the, he's their he's our only receiver right now that has proven himself. So I, I, I said it on winning formula this week. I, I think.
3: Didi will have his first NFL mm-hmm. touchdown, but who else is going to step up? For me, it's Conklin. Mm. Conklin's my guy on this one. He's He's been in big spots. He's proven that if you can get him running up the seam, he's, he's kind of the forgotten guy that other mm. teams just kind of go like, Yes, he's been serviceable, but we're worried about Jefferson. And if Jefferson's going to clear out some of those zones, mm-hmm. Conklin's very good at sliding into there and being able to make an acrobatic catch if he needs to. But I just feel like this is a perfect game for Conklin to really step up.
1: And I think it's good that the team has had a few days to do uh, to practice without Thielen because with Thielen being out in the middle of the game, um, you know, this week, KJ, DD, Conklin have been able to really get in there and, and practice with the ones not that.
2: But technically, they they had an entire game too against the Lions. Thielen got hurt on the first drive, so they played a No, that's what I mean, though. Together. But
1: but the amount of practice heading oh, for in, sure. like for sure. you know, because I think a lot of times for for me, missing Thielen was the most obvious when you're settling for two field goals in the first quarter, for sure, um, or the first half, rather. Uh, yeah, so that that to me, like being able to work your red zone at practice without Thielen, I think is is really to me will be beneficial in this game.
2: He's a red zone threat, and you got to yeah. come up with somebody. You got to have somebody else to be able to score Mr. when get down there.
1: Yep. Yeah. All right, Gable. Let's switch it up. And uh, what are you nervous about in the Steelers game? Uh,
2: their pass rush. Um, T.J. Watt, sixteen sacks in ten games. Uh, Cam Hayward, six and a half sacks. They lead the NFL in sacks. But between those two guys, they have twenty three out of their thirty six sacks. So clearly, those two guys are a one two punch. How do we stop them if Hall doesn't play? Do we have something in place now that that keeps those guys limited? You look at the film and you see um, the Cincinnati Bengals did a good job of doing so. But do we have the willpower to be able to keep those guys neutralized? Because when T.J. Watt is one-on-one against any lineman in the NFL, um, I-, I think he's going to win 50% of those those chances. And I think that's why they put him in those spots, to be able to um, get those one-on-one matchups. So. Brian O'Neill, Oli Udo, Rashad Hill, if Darisol plays, it's gonna be a, a long game for for all those guys, but they've been in matchups. They've they've faced uh, a Miles Garrett or Randy Gregory. So this is just another one of those premier defensive ends in the NFL that they gotta suited and booted up for. So it, yeah, it'll be interesting.
1: It, I I think back to the first couple of weeks of the season when there were Darisau was still not there and they were still experimenting with the lineup yeah. and neutralizing Guys like J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones in week two. And like you said, Miles Garrett. Like doing that, like that to me is maybe giving me a little hope that, a good scheme a good oh, a sure. good a good um you know week of of moving people around and knowing like the confidence was there back then um to neutralize at least one or two of the of the big names that we face this season.
2: Yeah there's there's a recipe out there for how to to beat the Steelers and neutralize TJ Watt. Like they've they've lost enough games and they've put enough film out there to say like okay this is what we can do this is how we can scheme these guys up but there there's going to be opportunities where we're gonna to have to win some one on one blocks. Like where you're gonna to have have to ask your your left tackle or your right tackle to say, Hey, this play, you're one on one with one of the best defensive ends in the NFL. Like you you we pay you too. So, um our guys gotta earn their paychecks on Thursday.
1: And avoid getting the penalties, the holding <laughs> calls, the false starts, anything like that is gonna be really, really key. Yeah. Because as we learn, we can't really put ourselves in those positions of being Third and long, second and long necessary. I mean, you can, but it's just so much more difficult. And I'll actually will segue myself into what I'm nervous about. I'm just nervous about playing from behind, something that we feel I feel like the Vikings have done all season. And that and that makes me very nervous against this Big Ben team that, you know, I mean, just watching that Ravens game, I was at the edge of my seat uh, during the fourth quarter there. Because it's just he is magic then sometimes. He's been here plenty of times before, can get it done, knows what needs to get done. They're six one and one in one score games, which to me speaks volumes as to being able to do what the Vikings have not been able to do very well this season, and that's finish out a game. The Vikings, like I said earlier in the podcast, are four and seven in one score games. And you think if you just got a couple of those uh you know seven losses in one score games over to the other column and you're we're talking about a completely different season at this point
2: they I think they're the fourth best fourth quarter scoring team in the NFL they score scored 51 points in the last four games in the fourth quarter so this is a team where they don't start fast but they mm. finish strong so to your point of putting our foot yeah. on their throats gosh we're saying you, it again aren't you, we you got to do that because this is I mean, this is, in my opinion, after watching film, this is the best fourth quarter team I've, I've seen. Yeah. Like, they, they just figure it out. Against the Ravens last week, I think all of their possessions through the first three quarters, they only had seven first downs and only 140 yards. And then they just flipped this switch. And then in the fourth quarter, they just went on a tear and won the game.
3: Big Ben uh, announced this is his 18th and final season for the most part, uh, barring <laughs> most him part. changing his mind again. <laughs> um, but the thing that you get with him is the savvy veteran. It, it's 18 seasons of of learning and championships and big spots. and And if they get into another situation like that, he knows exactly where to go, which is why for me – you know, with Ben, you just have to put some pressure on him. He's been sacked at least one time in every single game. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, 27 sacks and six picks so far this season. Like, you have to put pressure on this guy. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if, if if you let him be him and stand back there, he will pick you apart. Throwing-wise, he's, he's not as strong as he used to be, but he knows where everything needs to be, and if he recognizes any weakness on your defense and you give him time, he's going to slice you up. So, yeah, he's he is – He's still Big Ben. He's mm-hmm. still still a winner. And um that is something that, that is something to watch. And they got this guy named Deontay Johnson.
0: Oh,
1: him? <laughs> who is
2: really good. He is yes. he's, he's he's their new Antonio Brown. And he plays at a high level, but I'm sure P two, Brashad Breland, Cam Dansler, that they want to get their revenge mm-hmm. from last week against this upcoming receiving court
3: for, for the Pittsburgh Steelers.
1: For sure. Well, Jay, I know you kind of talk about Big Ben, but what are you nervous about in this contest?
3: Yeah, Ben was Ben has always been the stalwart that has made me nervous on this team. Um, but one thing for Pittsburgh that they've been known for, kind of their their uh, lunch pail style offense, they've been known for two things, Big Ben at quarterback and a stud running back uh, in the backfield. And Najee Harris is, is – on that level again this year. He's got 779 rushing yards and five rushing TDs, and on top of that, 387 receiving yards and two receiving TDs. Like He is similar to us. It's very similar. We've got a veteran quarterback who's back there and can make the throws, but they've got a a, a super stud running back as well. And for me, it's going to be trying to neutralize Najee Harris as much as possible. You look at what the the Lions try to do as well uh, against us, and for the most part, we did a good job of stopping them until especially towards the end of the game. But... That is what the recipe, I think, for a lot of teams looking at our defensive line, especially with the amount of people we have that are filling in from the beginning of the season. I just feel like Najee Harris is a guy that's going to be the make or break for this offense, Mm -hmm. for the Steelers. So if you can find a way to neutralize Najee, not only at the line, but also in the screen game, um, I just feel like that's going to be the key to success to stopping this offense they're 4 and 0, I think 4 and 0 or 4 and 1 when Najee Harris rushes for 70 or more yards. Which if you think about it that's that's not that much and as yeah. as much as much yards as our defense has given up on the ground, you know, that is a number that is completely obtainable I would think and if you're the Steelers like they're going to try to exploit that as much as possible but given that you know the Kind of the beef is back in the mm. middle of that defensive line. I'm curious to see if they try mm-hmm. to exploit those edges, mm-hmm. and and if that's the case, then that's where Kendricks and Barr are going to be so important to mm-hmm. be able to scrape off the line and just try to neutralize them at the line of scrimmage. I know? love it,
1: Jay. Are you calling the game on Thursday? <laughs> <laughs> I, Jay's got the game plan ready yeah. to go.
3: Honestly,
2: though, like that's that's yeah? that's honest. Like because having Anthony and Ken, and Eric back is so big this mm-hmm. week. Like they don't. The Steelers don't run the ball downhill. Remember Le'Veon Bell? They call him the most patient oh, sure. running back in the NFL. That's all Najee Harris does. He waits for a hole to open up and waits for a linebacker to, like, commit to a side and then runs the opposite way. Like, he's he reminds me of Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry's first few years. Didn't want to get hit, very patient, didn't want to get downhill. And then once he started to get confidence, it's just like, oh, these guys are well, more scared scary. of me <laughs> than I am of them because yeah. I'm actually linebacker size. So I, I'm, I'm counting – Two things on Thursday. I'm counting one: how many times the Steelers run cover three, because, like you said, they're a lunch pill team. They don't do many disguises. They line up in who and the, what they're going to do, and tell you to beat us. And they're a team that Mike Tomlin, you know, is like, if you're better than me, then beat me. If you're not, you already know what we're going to do. And I think our guys are better than yours. So one, I, w- I want to see how many times they run cover three because they do that about eighty percent of the time. And then two. How many times do we do sweeps and do outside zones? How many times do we run it to the outside? Because teams have been gashing them when they run outside against this team. Granted, TJ Watt is a hell of a pass rusher. But when it comes to run defense, um, that there's an opportunity to exploit him. So I'm, I'm I'm looking at two things. How many times they run cover three? And then two, how many times do we run to the perimeter?
1: All right. Well, that's a lot of great game analysis, getting ready, prep for all of of us around here. But that is not the only thing that we've been working on this week. Despite it being a short week, Vikings Entertainment Network has been very busy making sure you get everything you need as we lead up to the big game Thursday night game. What we got on tap this week?
2: So this week we have Friday Football Feast, which is actually on Friday. I know initially on the website it said Thursday. But it will be a Friday in Lakeville. So, Vikings fans, we win this game. Uh, start your Friday morning off with PA Paul Charchian, and I'll be there probably around 10:30, 30, 11, uh to recap this Vikings victory. No vantage this Friday. The Friday's Viking vantage will be next Monday. So we'll we'll recap all things Vikings on Monday. I think that'll be
3: KFAN, 6:30 p.m. on Monday, Joe. I believe uh, so, yeah. So basically Vikings Rewind is going to be on Friday night okay. instead of Vantage, and then we're going to put a But You're going to basically get a double up of Vantage next week. So okay. check it out Monday and Friday next week. And so uh, it's going to be fun to give you the double dip here on, on next week's Vikings Vantage.
2: And Ben Gessling will be that guest on Monday. Gessling as the guest um, on Monday. And then I think Courtney Cronin will be the guest next Friday. The game's on ESPN, Monday Night Football against the Bears. So why not have, well, the lead ESPN writer, in my opinion, on. Vikings fantasy next Friday. With Tatum and I.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, Gabe, you, you mentioned people come out and check you out at Friday Football Feast after a win, but you know, if it doesn't happen... You can always find Gabe and vent to him. He has an open be a, ear. Be a special vent session yeah. on
2: Friday football. He team. has a shoulder
1: you we'll, can cry we'll have on.
3: A, we'll have a corner called the Gabe's Corner,
1: and just come over and you'll just, be like Lucy from Charlie Brown.
3: <laughs> It'll be like going to confession for church. It'll just be Gabe sitting in a booth, and people can come up and give
1: him their notes. I love it. And oh, I'm, that's not bad. I'm all
3: here for the
2: for power hour of positivity.
1: There we go. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, we had a really cool guest this week on opposing viewpoints to give us the Steelers' perspective. She covers the NFC North for NFL Network. Aditi Kinkabwala was our guest. She is fantastic. She has covered the Steelers for so long, knows that team inside and out, and obviously... Vikings team reporter Eric Smith on that show as well, doing a great job giving the Vikings perspective of things. And of course, after every game, be sure to tune into post game live Vikings post game live presented by Miller Lite. This week, Ron Johnson will join me as the analyst <laughs> as we break down the uh, Steelers Vikings game. Gabe, you'll have between the lines, which is always fun in games. I don't,
2: I don't know why I always laugh when you say Ron Johnson. No, like he's just hilarious. He just, he just, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like every time he comes. Every time he does post-game live with you, there's going to be a couple of puns. Shenanigans. A few jokes. Yeah. And Lots
1: of shenanigans. But it's,
2: it's very informative, which is why I yeah. love the guy.
1: No, Ron brings, Ron brings the energy, which I truly appreciate. Well, the Vikings return to U.S. Bank Stadium tomorrow night. The big primetime matchup between the Vikings and Steelers. Thursday night football kicks off at 7.20 on NFL Network or Amazon Prime Video. Make sure you check out Vikings.com, the Vikings app, or the YouTube page, again, for all of the content we've been working on all week to get you ready for the big Thursday night game.
3: Today's Minnesota Vikings podcast is brought to you by Lifetime. When you step into Lifetime, you won't just see the difference, you'll feel it. Experience it for yourself. Visit lifetime.life for a complimentary guest pass or stop by a club. Lifetime, the healthy way of life partner of the Minnesota Vikings.